excited to get into the word this morning. Are you all excited about Jesus? He is a good God, and we have so much to be thankful for. Even when hard times are going on in our life, we can still find things to be thankful for, right? And so let's go ahead and turn our eyes to him right now. And um, I'm going to pray, but I want you not just to listen to my prayer. I want you to, in your own heart, be thanking him uh, as we're praying right now for anything you can think of to be thankful for, all right? Father, we come to you this morning with grateful hearts. We praise you. We know you are on your throne, and no matter what storms rage around us, we know that you are a good God. We know that John 10.10 tells us that it's the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have come, Jesus, to give us life and life more abundantly, and we receive that life more abundantly by faith in your grace today. We praise you for your word. We praise you for your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your wisdom. And Lord, we look to you and we praise you. We praise you because you're a good God. We praise you for your love. We praise you that you have plans for each one of us to give us a hope and a future. And Lord, we ask that we would tap into more of understanding your grace and your mercy today. I pray that every person at the sound of my voice, whether here or online, Lord, I pray that they would have a personal encounter with you, that you would take my words and supernaturally speak to them about whatever they have going on in their life, whatever is a concern to them, whatever may be a burden to them or weighing them down or um, they're trying to decide to go to the right or the left and which path to take. Lord, I pray somehow that your Holy Spirit would reach in and encounter them in a very personal way today in this message and in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I am excited to share with you this morning, I am going to be talking to you about a way through the wilderness. Has anyone ever gone through a wilderness season in life? You must not be very old if you haven't raised your hand on that one. Any type of wilderness season in life. We are going to start in Isaiah 43 this morning, Isaiah 43, so if you have your phones or Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, we will also have it up on the screen. Isaiah 43, 19, I believe, is a word from the Lord for you today. It says, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, a wilderness is a place in life where it seems like we're not making progress, or maybe we even have gone backwards. It may seem like we keep going around a mountain over and over again. And you know that there's a promised land out there. You know there's a destiny God has for you, but you're just not seeing how you're going to get there. You're not seeing, it seems like it's so far off. It seems so far in the distance. It's like, how could I ever jump from here to over there? And like Pastor Sean often says, uh, we have to remember how far we've come already, right? Because we used to be way back there and we've gotten this far. And if God can get us this far, he can get us that far, right? And we may not see the path or how this is happening, and we may be in a wilderness season right now, but we still need to keep our eyes focused on him to get to our ultimate destiny. So, you know, there are different wilderness seasons in life. You see three main ones in the Bible, uh, or a, a couple of different, a number of different scenarios in the Bible, but the three that I primarily observe in people's lives when I see people or myself going through a wilderness season is one, uh, it may just be an attack of the devil. 
an attack of the enemy because we live in a fallen world and he tries to put things on us that we have to resist in the name of Jesus. And uh, the Joshua 1.8 says to meditate God's word and we'll have good success over those things. We know there's scriptures that tell us that through Jesus, he, he has made a way for us to triumph. And God's desire is to, uh, for us as his children to triumph over the attacks of the enemy. So sometimes things are just thrown on us from the enemy trying to attack us in situations. But oftentimes people also go through wilderness situations because of our own foolish choices or maybe ignorant choices. Uh, you see a situation in the Bible of King David where he chose to have an affair. And then he tried to cover up that an affair by killing the woman's husband. And he kept making foolish choice after foolish choice. And the Bible shows how he was going through this dry season after that. And then the prophet came to uh, politely rebuke him and, and told him this parable of, of um, a, a man who didn't have much. And this wealthy man came and took the, the little bit that he did have. And King David says, where is this man? You know, I'm going to get him. And, and the prophet says, you're the man, King David. And so that he went through a wilderness season because of his own foolish choices, or sometimes for us it's ignorant choices. So we can go through wilderness seasons of our own doing. And then there's a third type of wilderness season that people go through. And this would be uh, what, if, if you look at the Bible, it says that Jesus, before he stepped into his calling, the Holy Spirit directed him into the wilderness for 40 days, didn't it? And so there is a wilderness season in our life that God ordains sometimes to prepare us for our calling. So that wilderness season is not of our own doing. It's a time of preparation that God has called. And that season of preparation sometimes isn't fun to go through a wilderness from God. It's a training season for our called place in life. And training seasons, even from God, sometimes don't feel fun, even though I believe having gone through them myself, that we should choose to have a good attitude in it. Um, even though sometimes it's difficult, we just need to make that choice to have a good attitude. But training seasons, even from God, sometimes don't feel fun for several reasons. Number one, in our eyes, they're taking a long time. Often we feel like our, our training season or our wilderness season is way too long. But God knows exactly how much time we need for training, right? And we have to trust that. And a second thing is typically during our training season from God, we don't get to be the, num- the, the main person. We don't get to be in charge. And especially if you have a personality that likes to take charge, that can be hard not being the one in charge. And then a third reason that sometimes our training season or wilderness that God has ordained uh, can be difficult is we have to learn to be led by God, and that requires getting quiet before God. Now, in our society, how many people like to actually get quiet and just sit there and listen to God? It's something you have to train yourself to do because we have noise and visuals coming at us all of the time. So having to learn to be led by God takes time. And a lot of people don't like to slow down and take that time. And then number four, we have to learn during our wilderness season, training season from God, to learn to submit to authority figures in our life. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't have any trouble with submission. If you say you don't have trouble with submission, you don't understand the definition of submission. Submission is when you disagree with your leader. It's not when you and your leader always agree on everything. Submission is actually when you disagree with your leader. And as long as your leader isn't telling you to sin or do something against God, that you need to support them with a good attitude and go along with what they're wanting to do. 
as the leader. And so submission doesn't even arise in a relationship unless we disagree with our leader. And at that point, if they're not asking us to sin or do something against the Holy Spirit's direction, then we cheerfully get on board with that. Now, we may voice our opinion politely to them and say, well, have you thought of this? Or can we pray about this? But ultimately, when it comes down to it, we submit to the leader in that situation. So our training wilderness season is learning to submit to our leader with a good attitude. And I remember Sean going through that when he was on an evangelism team, and he had a leader who had a very different personality than him. Sean's a, you know, go get things done kind of person, and his leader was very much a, um, if you know personality types from Gary Smalley, the lion, beaver, golden retriever, otter. His leader was very much a beaver that liked to do things very methodically and slowly. And slow was not in Sean's vocabulary at that point in his life. And so, you know, he was, was doing this evangelism team with the leader and, and uh, you know, going with his leader. And the leader was like, you know, let's do this this way. And Sean was kind of politely complaining to God afterwards, you know, or just saying, God, you know, he's so slow in this and we could be doing so much more for your kingdom. And the Lord spoke to Sean's heart, not an audible voice, but spoke to his heart and said, Sean, before you can lead, you have to learn how to be led. And that's a very important word to remember. Before we can lead others, we have to learn uh, how to be led by another leader as well as be led by God. And another reason our wilderness season from God can be difficult is we have to learn to take correction with a good attitude. Now, hopefully your leader is kind when they give correction in whatever situation you may be in, but not all leaders are kind. And even when the leader isn't kind, you have to learn to take correction with a good attitude. I remember once in Sean's uh, training season, him getting yelled at by a leader in in our church that we went to for something that was my fault. And the leader thought that it was his responsibility. It was actually something I was supposed to do. And it was a computer situation. I was supposed to send the leader something. And it didn't get to him. And I, uh, we, our, our oldest was a baby at the time. And I was just busy at home with her. Totally forgot to send this to the leader. Sean went to the meeting for us. And the leader chewed him out, like yelled at him for being so irresponsible. And I said to Sean afterwards, did you tell him it was my fault? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, well, technically, I'm the head of the home, so I'm your leader. And if you make a mistake, then I'm going to take responsibility for it. And he did not even say that it was my fault. And I thought, wow, that is godly leadership. He's willing to take responsibility for my mistake. And he didn't even yell at me for what I had done, that he, had to get yelled, that he got yelled at because of what I did. And that increased my respect for him as a leader, but he chose to to have a good attitude about that. And I saw him after that time not get mad at that man who, who yelled at him, but Sean just kept praying for him. And so it's learning to take correction with a good attitude. And one of the biggest challenges of the wilderness season is suffering and not getting our own way because sometimes we just want to do things a certain way or we want to get out of our training season prematurely. And God's saying no. And, you know, we put in um, a request to headquarters saying, Lord, can I transfer? And God says no. And we ask again a few months later, and God says no. And in that situation, that can be frustrating. So how do we get out of the wilderness season as fast as possible and yet not get out before God wants us to? I'm not talking about taking shortcuts because you never want to take a shortcut out of your wilderness season. But how do you get out of that season, through that season, as fast as possible so that God actually puts a stamp of approval on and says, yes, you're ready. 
and you're, you're promoted into your next place of life. And we have to remember, Jesus, who was in complete submission to God and obedience, he was in the wilderness for how many days? 40 days. So his wilderness season lasted 40 days. Now, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they went through the wilderness and they were heading to the promised land. And scholars tell us that that journey through the wilderness for them should have only taken two weeks. That's how how long it would have taken to travel by foot. But do any of you remember how long the children of Israel were in the wilderness? 40 years. Now, what this tells me is we can't shorten our wilderness season if it's from God, but we can definitely lengthen it. And so Jesus in complete submission was 40 days, but you see, very, uh, you know, in studying major people in the Bible, you see that all of their preparation seasons were years in the wilderness. And granted, Jesus was being prepared way before those 40 days as well. But what is one of the biggest things we can do to get through the wilderness? I believe one of the biggest things from studying the word is choose humility of putting God first and choose humility in prayer. Because you look at people who came through those seasons successfully and there were people who chose humility and there were people who chose prayer. And one thing to remember is that prayers get us previews in life. When we are a prayer and we give God time to download into us, he gives us previews of what's to come, and that is very valuable to have in life. When we choose to humble ourselves in an act of faith, what God is able to do is he's able to send us his wisdom, his grace, and his favor to help us overcome whatever obstacles are in front of us, whether it's a God wilderness or whether it's a self-inflicted wilderness. Now, one thing I, I do want to explain real quickly is sometimes people say, I'm in a wilderness from God, and this is going on in my life, but we need to remember that if it has to do with sickness, the Bible says God does not put sickness on his children. That is from the curse. It actually says it's a work of the devil. So if it's sickness, this is not a wilderness from God. If it's calamity, if it's someone uh, having uh, their needs going unmet, that is all described as under the curse. So that is not a wilderness from God, and you need to resist that in the name of Jesus. Find scripture to stand on and pray against those things. But uh, no matter what type of wilderness it is, whether it's an attack of the devil, whether it's our own foolishness, or whether it's our training season from God, we need to choose humility and prayer in those things. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, one thing I want to point out here is humility is important, and I think one big part of humility is getting on our knees. Would you agree? Because when we get on our knees, we are reminding ourselves that we're small. We're small compared to God, and he's huge. And when we get on our knees, it does something to our heart. There's just something it does. Because when I've had my greatest breakthroughs in life, often it's been from when I've been on my knees. It's so important to, to get on your knees on a regular basis before God. You know, whether things are bad or good in life, it's good to humble yourself before the Lord. But when we humble ourselves before God, what we're do doing is saying, Lord, I am weak without you and you are strong and I need you and I need your grace. You know, 
uh, going through the wilderness, it made me think of when Sean was finishing up college at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had already finished, and um, I got a job as a student services coordinator there. And my job as a student services coordinator was to help students with whatever they had a problem with. So any kind of problem, they would come to me, and I would try to fix it, whatever it was. And so I would get a 1,000 different questions. You know, in one day, uh, a woman probably, I was in my early 20s at that point, and a woman probably in her early 30s, uh, she walked in the door, and she was this little woman, and you could tell she was a firecracker, you know, and she walked up to my desk, and, and she looked, even though I could tell she had a really strong personality, she looked heavy laden. She looked like there was just a big burden sitting on her shoulders, and she walked up to me, and you could tell it was her first day of classes, a new semester was just starting, and she said, could you tell me how to get to this classroom? And I looked at her and I said, I'd be happy to tell you how to get to that classroom. But first, are you okay? And she looked at me and she clenched her jaw real tight like she was fighting back tears. And she said, I'm fine. She said, you wouldn't get it anyway. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your struggles are. But I said, I know that When my husband came to school here a few months ago, we knew it was the direction of the Lord that he was telling us to move here, and we came with nothing. We had just enough money to pay our first month's rent, and I said, we didn't even know for sure that he was accepted into school when we came, and we we were broke, and neither of us had jobs. In fact, we, he, Sean actually, I said my husband had a job that was supposed to transfer here, and when we got here, we found out it didn't transfer. And uh, I, I said, we moved here in, in complete chaos, it seemed. And I said, we have had to believe God for everything. I said, in fact, my first few weeks here, I cried myself to sleep every night, trying to not let my husband see because I miss the rest of my family so much. And I said, but for the last few months, I said, we have believed God and he's provided me this job. He's provided for my husband's tuition that we didn't know how we were going to pay for. He got accepted. Uh, We've had need after need met supernaturally. And I said, I don't know what it's like to go through your struggles, but I do know how to pray and get answers to prayers for, for financial needs. I've been through that personally. And she looked at me and tears just started dripping down her cheeks. And she said, you look like someone that doesn't have any problems. And I had to hold back the laughter on that one. And I said, sweetie, we've... uh, We've all got problems, and some worse than others, of course. But she, she looked at me, and she said, well, she said, I just moved here with my four kids. They were age 12 and under. And she said, I just moved here with my four kids. And she said, um, I've been married for, I think she'd been married for like 14 years. And she said, my husband and Brendan, a pretty good husband. We've been going to church together for years. And she said, but a, a couple years ago, my husband decided he didn't want to be married and didn't want to be a dad, start hanging out at the nightclubs at night each night. And she said, the marriage has just gone from bad to worse now over the last couple of years. And she said, it was getting the point of getting violent and bad. And she said, um, a few, a a couple of weeks ago, she said, my husband um, came home and he told me to get out. And she said, I had been praying a few months ago and the Lord told me that I was going to be going to college here and told me to apply. And I applied and got accepted. And she said, so when my husband said that, it was right shortly before the semester was starting. So she said, I packed my kids in my clothing. And she said, that's all we've got. And she said, I drove with my four kids from Canada here to Tulsa. 
And so little did I know, I am one of the first people to encounter this lady on this journey, this new life's journey she's making all the way from Canada to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so she, she told me, you know, her situation, and so we prayed together. And I'm going to go back to telling you about her. Her name is Debbie. I'm going to tell you about her in just a little bit. But I have found that when we are in the wilderness, there are four enemies that most of us face. Most of us face some form of lack, whether it is lack of finances, lack of health, or lack of healthy relationships. Most of us face some form of loneliness. Some, most of us face some, for, uh, some form of feeling like others don't believe in us. Usually the people that matter the most to us, often it feels like they don't believe in us. And four, most of us face regrets from our past or anxiety about the future not knowing what the future holds and having this fear of that. But I've also found that going through the wilderness seasons in life, when we turn to God, and I'm going to say that again, when we turn to God, there are four benefits of the wilderness season. You learn to trust God as your source. You learn who who your real friends are. That is very important to know in life. You learn to believe what God and his words say about you, and you gain strength and confidence for your future. You know, I remember years ago, uh, there was a man in our first year of marriage, there was a man who was praying for us, and he was very led by the Holy Spirit. And as he prayed for us, he said, you know, I'm just um, getting these thoughts that the Lord is about to take you, you two through a gorge. If you don't know what a gorge is, it's uh, like in a canyon where water has carved out and there's a very narrow pathway between, between two uh, very high rocks. And gorges, typically, you can't even get a helicopter down in them to get somebody out if there's someone in because they're so narrow and that the only way out is to walk it out. And he said, the Lord is going to put you two in a gorge and it's going to be your wilderness training season for ministry, and you are going to have to learn to believe God for everything in life. And God will meet your needs, but you're going to have to pray and connect with him for that provision to be met. And this is a necessary phase and season in life for you to go through to prepare you for your ministry calling. And we walked out of that place, and I thought, I rebuke those words in Jesus' name. I don't want to go through a gorge. You know, that there's no way out except walking it out and, and, you know, having to learn to depend on God for everything. But do you know for the next minimum five years, I would actually say 10 years, we went through that gorge. But the first five years especially, having to believe God for everything. I mean, we didn't go out for ice cream. It was so tight financially. But do you know that season in life taught us so much of how we do things now uh, it, it just has made such a difference in our life. And I, even though I, at the beginning of that, I, I was rebuking those words, thinking that is not of God. Now, after we've gone through it, I think, oh, God, I am so thankful we went through that season in life where we had to learn to believe you like that. All of our needs were met. We never had a late bill. But, man, we were believing God for everything. And so even though it was challenging at times, it was also a good thing. I want you to think about... Um, King David. King David in the Bible. Uh, let's go to 1 Samuel 16, 7. Here this scripture is referencing David in the Bible. Um, and it's talking about when Samuel the prophet was told to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king in place of Saul, whose heart was not right with God. And it tells us, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance. And he was talking about Samuel is looking at one of Jesse's other sons. It says, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused 
refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? The heart. So this scripture is in reference to David. And um, what's going on is Samuel comes in and he is told Jesse that he's there to anoint one of his sons. And Jesse brings out his seven sons. And Samuel starts going through, you know, asking the Lord, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? The first game of duck, duck, goose, you know? And the Lord keeps saying, no, no, no. And he gets through all seven and he's like, what? You know, and so he, he looks at Jesse and he says, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, yes, I have one more out in the field tending the sheep, but he's just a boy. And he says, well, go get him. And so eventually they get David in there. And what happens is the Lord says, yes, this is the one anoint him. And so Jesse, and, or, uh, excuse me, Samuel anoints David with the oil uh, to be the future king. But in the spiritual realm there, he is becoming king because that is the anointing of God. But do you know what happens? Scholars tell us that when that happened to David, he was between age 10 and 15 years old. Most scholars think he was about 14. And we know from history that David became king when he was 30. So that do you know how long his wilderness season was from when he was actually anointed with the call of God to when he stepped into his calling? It was 15 to 20 years, most likely 16 years of a wilderness season. And much of that time actually was spent in the wilderness with Saul chasing him, trying to kill him. And so you look at this situation, it can actually, it should actually be very encouraging for all of us because David, his dad didn't even think he was worth bringing out to be considered. Do you notice that? And sometimes people around us don't even believe in us. It's kind of like his dad was saying, well, yeah, I've got all these other great sons. Why would you want this one? He's just average. Or maybe his dad even thought below average. And yet God delights in taking those that are least looked upon as least in the family and showing what he can do with his power. Have you ever noticed that? And he delights in those who, taking those who feel like failures in life and actually setting them up in a high place, showing what he can do with his power because he's God and he's a loving God. And so I bring up David in the wilderness for three reasons to you today. First, I want to encourage you. No matter where you are in life right now, God has a good plan for you just like he did for, J- for David. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sure many of you have heard the scripture before. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans of good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Second, I want to remind you that even if no one believes in you and even if you don't believe in yourself anymore, God still believes in you. And third, I want to remind you that the answer to finding the path through the wilderness is choosing humility through seeking God first in prayer. And I want to also remind you with humility, it needs to be a daily thing. We need to be going to the Lord. Even if you just have five minutes in the morning before you leave for work, I would encourage you to take those five minutes, read a a chapter in, in the Bible, pray, even get on your knees whenever you can and say, Lord, I commit this day into your hands. It is only by your grace and your mercy that I can be victorious in every way today. And I just ask for your hand to help me. You know, a lot of Christians are fair weather friends to God. Now you're all the choir. I know you're in here in church, but there are a lot of Christians who are fair weather friends to God in in the opposite way that people are. A lot of times when a hard time situation goes on in people's life, others walk out on them. Have you noticed that? But a lot of people treat God the opposite, being a fair-weather friend. When things are bad in their life, they turn to God, but when everything is good, they walk away from God. 
And we need to be watchful not to be fair-weather friends to God. Now, the good news is if, if someone's been that way, God is merciful and he is loving. And he will always take people back, even if they're just coming to him in the bad times, because he is such a merciful and loving God. But, you know, I don't want to ever be disconnected with God because the whole thing about humbling ourselves and praying to God, that's not... We should never be going to God with the mindset and prayer of, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Our, our prayer life should be our fellowship with him because Jesus has already paid the price for us because he loves us so much. And so when we're connecting with him, this is loving fellowship. I mean, wouldn't it be strange in a marriage if you rarely talk to each other unless you wanted something from the other one? You know, would, would that make any of you want to stay married if your spouse only talked to you when they wanted something from you? No. And so in the same way, our prayer life is connection with God. It's not just asking him for stuff and, Lord, do this for me and do this for me. Our prayer life is supposed to be loving fellowship where we're just having this great relationship back and forth. You know, we're praising him for all of his goodness in our life. God, if you listen to him, he will be edifying you and encouraging you in your heart and through his word. And it's supposed to be this loving relationship because we're not trying to, um, we shouldn't have this mindset of do, do, do. I've got to do this to get God to do this. I've got to do this to get God to do this. No, it's done, done, done. Jesus has already paid the price for us. And it says in the word that we are made righteous, not through our own works, but because he has paid the price for us to have right standing with God. Righteousness means right standing with God. And in the Old Testament, it tells us that our righteousness was as filthy rags. But in the New Testament, Jesus has paid the price for us to have right standing with God just through us receiving him as our savior. So when we come to Jesus and ask him to be our savior, we don't have to do a bunch of works to be righteous. You become righteous because you're a child in the New Testament of the most high God. And so his goodness comes upon you. So you're just in loving fellowship with him because of his love upon you. You're not trying to get God to do something for you. You're just responding to his love back and forth in this relationship with him that he wants to have with you. So I'm going to go back quickly to my friend Debbie and tell you what happened with her life. She, uh, we, we would pray for certain needs to be met, and about a month after she was there, or she had found an apartment, got plugged into a church, got her kids in school. About a month after she was there, she came up to me and she said, Amy, guess what happened? And I said, what? And she said, I got a phone call from a local furniture company in town, and she said, they said that somebody had come in and anonymously bought two sets of bunk beds, and she had two boys and two girls, two sets of bunk beds and mattresses in one, it was either full or queen-size bed with mattress, and they asked when they can deliver them to my apartment. And they said they weren't allowed to tell me who bought them, but someone just uh, uh, wanted to bless me with those from the, the Lord. And so she was so excited. So that happened, and she started telling me about need after need after need being met. One day she even came up to me, and she had been going through some financial hardships, and she said, guess what? And she said, I got my bank statement this month, and there was over $1,000 extra on my bank statement. She said, I called them and asked them what happened, and they said, well, we can't tell you how it got in your account. We're sworn to secrecy on that one, but the money is yours. You can spend it. And so she's like, this is amazing. But my favorite of all of the things that happened with Debbie was the day she came up to me, 
and it was getting close to the end of the school year, and she literally, like, walked in the door, and you could see, like, a, like she was glowing. She was so excited. And she said, guess what? And I said, what? And she said, I got a call from my husband last night in Canada. And he said, Debbie, I am so sorry for all the pain that I have put you and the kids through over these last couple of years. I just asked God to forgive me and ask Jesus back into my heart. And he said, I, I've gotten my life right with God, and I'm wondering if you and the kids would forget me and, uh, forgive me and let me come and be with you in Tulsa. And she told him yes, and she said he's on his way here right now. And I met this man a week later, and do you know that they got plugged into Bible studies in their church that were marriage Bible studies, started working on their marriage, and nine months after that, in the next school year, They actually both came to my desk and told me that their pastor had just asked them to start teaching marriage Bible studies in their church because their marriage had gotten to such a healthy place that he wanted them to start helping others with their marriages. Now, that is a testimony of God's grace and and goodness getting someone through the wilderness. So in closing, I want to tell you quickly, there is a man in the Bible talked about in 1 Chronicles 4.10, and his name is Jabez. And Jabez was basically born into a wilderness season. And in his life, the Bible doesn't tell us much about him, but we know that in the day he was living, parents would name their children what they were going through in their life, good or bad, which isn't always a good thing. And so it says that his mother bore him in pain, and the, because she bore him in pain, she named him Jabez. And Jabez actually means pain. And so every day of his life, he was hearing that he was a pain every time his name was spoken. Now, how many of you know you might grow up with a complex if, that, if your parents called you pain every day? Not a good thing. And so, you know, and the Bible also tells us that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And, you know, I, we don't know why he was more honorable than his brothers, but I personally believe, and this is just Amy's theory here, okay, but I personally believe that every day getting called pain, that that hurt. And he, because of that, turned to God, and he humbled himself, and he had this humble heart before God, realizing, Lord, there is no way I can get out of this wilderness I've been born into without your help. And I believe that that humility is why he was more honorable before God than all of his brothers. And you look at this situation, and he, it tells us just, there are just a couple sentences about Jabez, but it tells us in First Chronicles 4.10 that he prayed this prayer, and it says, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested, the Bible tells us. Now, I want you to realize with this prayer, I don't believe this, oh, would you bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. This is not a, oh, God, would you make me rich and famous, please, prayer. This is the heartfelt cry of a humble man who is probably on his knees saying, God, I have been born into a wilderness. I have been called a pain since I was a a baby. And Lord, I am tired of being a pain to people around me. And God, I am asking you that you would bless me and that you would enlarge my territory and that you would make my life so fruitful that I would overflow on the lives of everyone around me so that when people see me coming, they will no longer say, there comes the pain, that now they will start saying, there comes that man who is such a blessing because he's just overflowing. 
This was not a self-centered prayer. This was, an, this was a heart of, God, make me a blessing to those around me. And so I want to encourage you, write down or maybe put on your phone 1 Chronicles 4.10. This is a great prayer to pray over yourself every day, to pray over your family every day. It's a very non-self-centered prayer to pray. It's asking that God will make you a blessing to everyone around you. I want to invite you to close your eyes. And listen, I'm going to read the scripture I started with one more time, Isaiah 43, 19. And I want to take you to take this as a promise for yourself today. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And he is saying that all for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you, have you really surrendered your life fully to Jesus? Do you know if you were to leave earth today or even 100 years from now that you would go to be with him forever in heaven or even beyond that, have you given him everything? Have you given him your relationships? Have you given him your bank accounts? Have you given him your calling? Have you given him everything? Or are there things in your life that you're withholding? Because when you get to a true place of humility like Jabez did, there's nothing you're holding back from God. And when you hold nothing back from God, that's when God is really able to just open the floodgates of heaven over you. The Bible says that God brings rain on the just and the unjust. But when we open everything of who we are to, to God, that is when he is able to pour out blessing on us immeasurably like we could never imagine because our heart is really getting right towards just being a gift to others and being a gift to his kingdom. And so if that's you, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart or you're just saying, God, today I'm making a new commitment to give everything to you. I'd like you to lift your hand up before the Lord. Just say, Lord, that's me. There are things that maybe I've held back that I'm, I'm choosing right now to give it all to you. Let's all put our hands on our heart and pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, Please come into my heart. I surrender all to you. I ask you to take my life, do something great with it. And Lord, help me to walk in your mercy and your grace every single day. I receive your favor. I receive your blessing. Help me never to bring pain to others or to myself, but help me to focus on being a blessing that you have made me to be. I receive your grace to run my race. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.